This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. Thanks to Rode Microphones. Uh, once again, we're joined by Brad Newman from Upper Level CRM. And on this Quick Bite, we're going to talk about being a voice talent and using social media. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? Because I, uh, even as a studio... Um, which I guess is probably closely aligned to a voiceover artist anyway, I always wonder about who should I be talking to because I see it two ways. As Voodoo Sound, I'm trying to push my business onto someone else's business. So I could be B2B. But because of the nature of the business that we're in, I understand that I really don't get hired by people who don't know me and my work. So am I also trying to do a business to an individual sort of marketing thing? And and this is a question I've always had in the back of my head, Brad. Yeah, I don't know if it's a thing, but I would say like H to H, like it's it just needs to be human to human. And that's especially as we all become decentralized, I think is really key. And social media can definitely play a big, big part into what you do. Um, you know, whether it is the uh, the PR positive, as I like to call it, where your clients and customers can use that social media to rave about you, or as a voice talent even, like how can you make that work for you? Um, being seen and being heard and just being around, people do business with people that they like. Um, that's... That's, you know, they'll also do business with people that they don't like, but it's, if you can reach somebody on an emotional level, then you increase your odds, I think, dramatically. And so social media gives you a chance to do that. If you're a voice talent that um, does a lot of maybe medical narration and you went through a traumatic medical issue, um, then maybe you can, you can not that you want to use that, but it becomes a part of your life and that part of your life can be shared. And that's what social media is there for. So you can do that on, on some avenues more than others. Uh, different platforms are going to have different attitudes. TikTok is wildly different from what I would say you do on Instagram or Facebook. And as is LinkedIn, um, you know, you're, that is more business related. It is more a little stuffy, so to speak, but it doesn't have to be. Um, but if you're, if you're just a human, and you you really kind of just have this empathy and care kind of about what you do, I, that, that leads to more work for me than anything else. Um, and sometimes social media per se doesn't have to be direct to the person you're actually marketing. I would say roughly 40 to 50% of my work as a voice talent comes from other voice actors. So they already have a job or a project. They've already done all the vetting. They know exactly who it is. And maybe they're the solo voice on this, you know, the majority of the time. Uh, it happened today, actually. A lady does this calming app on, uh, on uh, smartphones for Android and iPhone. And she's kind of the narrative of this whole calming app, which has really just been her talking. But now they're introducing scenarios that happen. So there's this little stressful part that happened at work and they needed somebody to play the, uh, the angry uh, dick of a boss. And well, that that was me, which was right up my casting alley. So it was perfect. Um, so they gave me a call and, um, you know, and I got that job. So being seen and being heard and being genuine and doing things for other people, even your fellow talent without the expectation of something in return 
can lead to increases in your business, even as a voiceover talent. And how we communicate with people, especially during things like COVID, they are decentralized. So I keep up with all of these great voice talent, you know, like Matt Colrick or Maria Pendolino or these other, you know, um, Dustin Ebaugh through social media. I, I, I haven't probably talked to any of them on the phone in the last year, but it's either on social media or... In the DMs, if you have a reason to be in somebody's DMs, then be there. So instant message, whatever you want to call it, direct message. Um, so you're sliding in those DMs maybe for a different reason than, uh, you know, what, what uh, George, Robert, or Andrew typically does uh, when they're searching up cheerleaders. But it's along the same type of topic uh, in being relatable and connectable. Yeah. It can become a bit of a time suck though. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've gotten on, I've, I've went on TikTok for like 15 minutes at a purpose and literally three hours later, I'm still scrolling. What's the best social media platform? You know, it depends on the audience, I think, that you're trying to capture. So uh, there's a lot of buzz around new things. You know, for what I do, Clubhouse is great. Um, not only can you land in a, in a great room with uh, uh, hearing people that you would never have the opportunity to hear conversations between, you know, massive people that aren't just celebrities, but knowledgeable people. Um, that's really, really cool. But the fact that you get to raise your hand and ask a question, you can then, it's different from a podcast because then you can literally pivot the conversation to address a question that you have. And that's pretty huge. It's audio only, so you don't have to get dressed up. You don't have to worry about the camera. It can be passive. You can have it on while you're in the car, just listening, running errands, doing whatever. So it's, it's, it's great. There was a talent who uh, got a job last week because he went into this uh, TV affiliate news production room and listened to all of their stuff. And inevitably, they kind of did a little roundtable on what everybody did. And he said, oh, I'm a voice guy. And I just wanted to learn more about what you guys uh, needed or wanted and where I could find you. And it ended up being a conversation about him basically finding their pain points. And one of the people, only one, there was a lot of people in the room, but only one said, well, you know, we, we want you to audition for a promo that we're doing. And he got hooked up and got a job from that. So I think Clubhouse is really cool. TikTok is really cool. Uh, you need to be doing both of those and find a way to make them work for your audience. Um, Instagram and Facebook is here. Um, I think in that order. So it's like, to me, depending on your audience, it's a toss up between TikTok and Clubhouse. TikTok, I, I would put first at the moment just because of the larger traction, uh, then Clubhouse, then Instagram, then Facebook. Um, and what's, um, what I'm using to kind of drive that metric is where advertisements are. I've been on TikTok for a little over a year and there were no advertisements at first. And when I had somebody that was going to like sponsor me or let me do a, um, an influencer role, and I, they were like, they weren't interested in how many followers you had on TikTok. They were like, yeah, that's nice, but how's your Instagram doing? So that tells you that Instagram was more important to them. However, uh, as of late, watching TikTok, there are massive ads from uh, Adidas and Nike and um, financial services companies running ads on there now. And so if they're starting to spend ad dollars and revenue on a social media platform, that's my cue to start paying more attention to that platform. Because if somebody's spending money on it uh, as an advertiser, that means that they're either trialing it out or they have a metric that's showing a return. So I'm paying more attention to TikTok than I was in the last six weeks even. So is well, LinkedIn okay. still part of the mix? No, absolutely. I think LinkedIn is becoming part of a mix, but that is still where you're reaching out to one individual. Mm. Whereas I was invited on a marketing panel to speak in Clubhouse the other day, and there were 800 voice talent in the room. 
So when I talked about my CRM or the hosting that we do at upper level um, to answer a question, my email immediately went off with 15 signups. And I would never get 15 signups in under 60 seconds on LinkedIn. So that is where your audience is engaged and captivated in a different way than they are LinkedIn. Um, You can still reach people on LinkedIn. It's great for research and information. I would definitely say connect with people. Don't not do it. It doesn't cost you anything. But LinkedIn is also a walled garden, which makes it really hard to automate anything. They don't want to let any API access in. Ever since they've been acquired by Microsoft, they're very stiff. I've uh, been out there in meetings talking with them about how we can get our CRM to work with what they're doing. And they basically want no API access, which is fine. So we came up with a different way to interact with LinkedIn that allows information from the platform to legally be put into our system. Um, And we found the precedent uh, that we can stand on so we don't get sued. (laughs) Well, that's always a good thing. What about Twitter? You know, um, I I think, again, different people are going to have different thoughts, but that is such a blurb and it's here and it's gone unless you follow somebody that My response on it hasn't been great. I use it more for research. So for me, it does have a purpose. Um, I will load up something like Hootsuite um, and I have a specific Twitter account that follows no one. And I will load up like one creative director and then the actual brand's Twitter page in Hootsuite. So this is me as a VO talent. So very relevant to VO folks. And that way there's no distraction. There's no other noise going on at all. But every time that creative creative director tweets... It pops on my screen and it stays there. It's not this scroll like if you were just using the Twitter app, right? Where it just scrolls past all these people you're following. So it stays there. And you can also make important channels where people don't scroll, even if you have more people in it. But I follow the one creative director and the one brand. And I will keep an eye on that big brand that's going to have lots of big recurring work for me, maybe for three weeks. And I learn as much as I can about the creative director through that medium and other social platforms. And then I start to engage uh, the conversation or how I am going to relate to him, whether that be via email or whether it will be on Twitter. So it might start out where I'm learning everything I can about him. But while I'm learning, I will like a tweet. And then a week later, if he says something I agree with, I might retweet that tweet. And then maybe six weeks later or three weeks later or whatever the number is you decide, I'll follow him on my real account. And so those, the like, the retweet, and the follow are all happening on the real account. So that's giving me notifications direct to him that Brad Newman did this, Brad Newman did that, Brad Newman did this. So I'm already working into his subconscious by you know, him wanting to check his own notifications. And then you can follow back on other methods, whether it be via Facebook, or maybe that's when you send that email, or you go above and beyond. This happened to be an ad agency in New York where I decided to take everything offline He loved Coca-Cola, always talked about Coca-Cola, collects all the different cans and and the the polar bears and all this nonsense, which I would never tell him is nonsense. Hopefully he never hears this. Uh, But I had some coasters made with my logo that were done in nice metal, uh, laser etched. Yeah, they're all, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, mom. But they're beautiful. Then they have our logo for our audio post studio and they're laser cut and they cost me like $15 a piece to make. I threw in a six pack of Coke, uh, rolled up a t-shirt and had a birthday clown uh, deliver it and he had a sign for it, which wasn't real and that was part of the gag. The whole point to all of that though was to get his, uh, his, his attention a little bit, but here's where the human aspect came in. I wrote a note, handwritten, included in that and just said, uh, hey Bob, I saw the work that you did on this campaign. I really enjoyed it. From one creative person to another, I realize the sacrifices we make to deliver exceptional content. 
Thanks so much for being one of those guys. Much respect, Brad Newman. It didn't say I was a VO. Now, yeah, there was a logo on the coaster. Um, but it was a genuine note, and it really was a genuine note. I really liked the, the work that he did. And as an audio post guy, I can really appreciate the level of detail that they put into that campaign. Uh, I book work for them, um, you know, on a weekly basis for one of their big edgy beverage brands. And if you can just be human through your social media and use it as information gathering, people love to talk about themselves, so let them. And, you know, follow up on that, learn about that, research about it, nurture it. But a plant doesn't grow without nurture and water. And neither is your marketing efforts or your VO career or anything that you do. It goes back to if you use the best program with all the best algorithms and all the best automation, but just do a shitty job, it's going nowhere. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's interesting uh, you say that, though, with the, the guy you sent the uh, pack to. Um, um, this is for mm-hmm. Robbo. Can you imagine if we did, this, uh, did the same thing in Australia? What reaction do you reckon we'd get? You, 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 you would... Be probably, you'd probably get the polar opposite reaction. You would probably get the reaction of, mm-hmm. what's this guy want? Why is this guy stalking yeah. me? <laughs> exactly. You, they go, well, you're like, a stalker. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you don't do that over, over the course of a month. Uh, but to the, to the case in point, if the guy doesn't respond back, then you leave it. It's, it's, it, it marketing is like dating. And I think uh, any person, regardless of where you are in the world, I would think, but maybe, maybe Americans are different. I don't know. Um, you know, in France, for example, they really don't date, like go out on like proper dates. It's more of you know somebody, but, uh, and it just kind of evolves. Uh, but uh, dating here in the States anyway, you know, you meet a girl and she gives you her number, regardless of how you meet her. But if you send her a text or you call her and she doesn't reply, she's not interested. You don't text her three or four times and look desperate. You don't respond to her and bother her three or four times and start stalking her. And the same is true in marketing, at least over here. Uh, overseas, you may need to be more proper depending on the area. You may use last names instead of first names. So definitely know your audience and know who you're marketing to. But if you ask yourself, what would I want in that scenario? Then you can start to answer questions on how to address them. And if you're not in, I'm not an Australian guy and I don't know. And if I was doing Australian work, I would reach out to Matt Colrick, who's an amazing voice guy, who is an Australian living in Canada that does US work in an American accent. Who listens to our show. Oh, does he? Oh, hey Matt, how are you? Um, he's, He's an amazing dude. Um, so I would reach out to him or, or now that I know you guys, you guys, and I'll be like, Hey, what do you, what do Australians really like? And tell me how talking about Outback is going to make me look like an ass. Um, you know, Outback Steakhouse, because it's, you know, we're, we're, we're led to believe it comes from Australia and it doesn't. Um, and it's it's the biggest, (laughs) I guess, a a very big joke over there. So know your audience. So I would ask, I would literally ask people and say, Hey, Uh, what is your approach? What gets you, so if you own a post studio, what gets you to hire talent? And as a VO talent, I've done this and it surprises me. It goes back to the email, ask questions. And I talked about it earlier. If you have a great relationship with a studio and by great relationship, a studio you've worked with at least three times that isn't uh, very, that isn't just all buttoned up. Um, I would say, you know, to that studio, why do you hire me over another talent? uh, if, If talent being equal, and their answer was, and I was quite surprised, because you're easy to schedule, you're available, you don't tell me you're busy this day, this day, and this day, you're, you don't have a bunch of conflicts. And I thought, oh, that's a problem? 
I didn't know that a lot of VOs still do other side hustles. They're still not available eight hours a day in the middle of the workday like I am. So that became something that I started to, to, to talk about or tell people about. But ask the people that have hired you what their pain point is. Like, what? because you're not trying to convince them to hire you. You're already getting hired. But you're trying to understand from the people that are in their role, what they want or that type of person or people in Australia or whoever it is. Ask questions and learn what they want because they will tell you the answers. They will tell you directly how to market to them or people like them. And if it's somebody you've never worked with, maybe you ask them, um, hey, I'm not looking for any work. This isn't a pitch. I gen- And I would say that flat out, like just boom. I'm not looking for work. This is not a pitch. I truly want to understand your number one pain point in hiring VO, and I will not contact you again for, for, for work. I would love an answer. And you don't blast that out to your entire database of studios because respect what you say, right? But maybe you ask that to an agency you think you never have a chance with or a studio you never have a chance with. First of all, you will be surprised that they may, at least here in America, be ingratiated by your very transparent, uh, no BS attitude of, I'm not desperate, I'm not looking for work. And I I really don't need you or want you type of mentality, but they're going to tell you their biggest pain point. Take that from 10 people, maybe 15, maybe 20, and then create and craft a marketing message to the other 40,000 people that are in your database. Mm. They will tell you how to market and it all comes down to why. Why as a talent should I hire you over somebody else? And if you're not telling me, the person who's hiring you, how you're going to make my job easier, how you're going to save me time, make it faster, more efficient, make it better, there are probably six things you can do without ever having to come down to negotiating on rate that you can do to solve other pain points they have. And I really believe that if you solve enough of those problems, people will pay you more. Mm. I think people are afraid to ask a question, and I don't know why that is. I don't know how they've been trained to like not, not they they feel especially voice talent. They feel maybe it's imposter syndrome, or they feel so diminished for having to ask for work, like they're begging. And I would I would say it's a completely different mind shift. Um, ask a few people what they need and want, and then confidently go in and tell the rest of those people how you're going to solve that problem. And you can do that on social or any other media. Again, we're more decentralized. Uh, that's how it is. It is a threat to get somebody on a phone. You're going to suck up more of their time. Nobody wants to get on the phone. So if you say, hey, can I pick your brain for a few minutes on the phone? No, nope, 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 nope. That just means you, no, absolutely not. Delete. Yeah, I can sit here and answer so, your email yeah. at 11 o'clock at night in my underwear with a beer in my hand. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And if you, if you make it short or tell me that you make it short, then at least I know what your expectation of me is is that you're not requiring a lot of my time, which is a lot of people's number one concern. I, they're, they're busy. People are busy. I, again, I don't have statistics, but I would hedge that to be uh, a fact. Is anybody on this interview that feels like they are not busy, please say yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it's their voiceover desperately looking for work. <laughs> so, I mean, that's my point, right? Like, yeah. everybody feels the same way. So, you tailor the message a bit. And you can use social media to learn about that or to reach out to people and to tailor the message in the right or the appropriate way. But at the end of the day, we all want to be human. We all want to be treated like we matter. And we all want people to respect our time and pay us. 
So without getting exactly. into specifics and tin tax, I mean, you're, not, you're clearly not directly contacting people on a daily basis. What sort of stuff are you posting each week on social media and, and how regularly? So it depends. I struggle on social media, I'll be honest. Um, I can get on TikTok as a guy and not have, I can do the, so TikTok, first of all, is based off of copying. So the idea is that you're going to even lip sync, not, not in singing, but someone else's words. So there's an audio clip that plays and you just mouth it and you're doing something. And sometimes it's a tongue in cheek play where they're talking about something and you're doing something else that doesn't make sense. And that's what makes it funny. Sometimes it is a literal, literal transla- translation, but the whole idea of the platform is to do what the trend is. So there are a new trend will be released and everybody does that. And so you're literally copying what other people are doing. So I can do the same thing that a female can do on that platform and they will grow at three to five times the rate that I will grow. Uh, because when the platform originally came out, it, it was geared differently in, in, in what it was. And it's now it's aging. You're seeing it go from young uh, children to then it was, you know, teens and tweens and 20s and 30s. And now it's, you know, moms of talk with the hashtag of over 50, et cetera. Um, so the platform kind of, kind of changes as well. Uh, But I struggle on those platforms because I don't know what to say. I'm not a writer. I like to talk. So Clubhouse is very exciting for me. Um, On Facebook, I honestly don't feel like my life is interesting enough to post about. So like people are doing great, amazing things and they post it. No one posts the down stuff. Well, I had, you know, suffered with like depression and anxiety and I'm learning to talk about that more, but my social media wasn't great as far as what I was doing in my real life on Facebook. I'm not a photographer. I take crappy photos. So Instagram didn't work. Um, you know, TikTok was, was all about dancing at first, uh, you know, and I, I don't dance. I'm a, I'm a white boy with no rhythm from the knees down. I do at least classify the waist as having rhythm. Uh, that's an important uh, area, you know? Um, yeah. So... Um, sorry, mom. Um, but <laughs> it's changing now to become what is my talent? Almost a look what I can do. So now there's people doing magic tricks and people doing trick shots and and uh, you know bouncing a golf ball off of you know thirty different surfaces and still getting the hole in one. Um, so it's become this. It's almost like a America's Got Talent or Star Search for all of you all to be a better reference. You'll probably understand that better. Um, Nobody's getting my jokes. They're not landing. Come on. Oh, stop. You're old. Okay, moving on. So We don't laugh in Australia. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> my, uh, my social media habits are, you need to drink more. You guys don't drink very much either, I understand. Um, <laughs> That's true. My social media yes. habits are kind of bad. Uh, so it's try to find what gains traction. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I've come to realize that that isn't for me. And so I need, I'm going to have to hire somebody. It is not something I can do. I, social media is the first thing that I've really ever tried to do on my own that I don't think I can fix. Um, I write bad grammar and I just don't have the time and I don't do it well enough. So it's, it's time to start bringing in other people um, to do it uh, for me. And that's the great thing is you don't have to hire a big firm and, and voice talent can also take this from a social media perspective. Like 
get your kids. If you got kids that are in high school, get your your junior, uh, you know, your kid that's in junior high or go on Facebook to your hometown. We do that here. I don't know if you guys do it there, but each town, um, at least where I live here uh, in New York City or each borough uh, or even each little section of the city will have its own Facebook group. Uh, and you can literally post in there, you know, like, hey, uh, voice talent, work from home, uh, looking for uh, part-time, you know, uh, you know, part-time worker to help on social media. And just like you would hire a babysitter, you can hire a kid that knows more about social media than you're ever going to learn from somebody that's trying to sell you a course. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, you got five kids, Robbo, and I've got a couple, so we're laughing. Yeah, between us. Yeah, right. We're, right. we're on our right. Yeah, so, so why are you guys still sending out newsletters? Or you haven't asked your kids if that was cool? <laughs> because I think your kids would probably roll their eyes and go, Dad. Yeah. I think exactly. It's, it's interesting you asked that question because I, I, I asked myself the same question when I was thinking about starting the newsletter. And I think you sort of, you, you, you look at what else is going on and you look at these, mm-hmm. you look at what turns up in your inbox and you sort of go, That's well, right. these bigger companies than me are doing newsletters and they're doing, you know, they're getting me to read them. They're getting me to go, hey, I'm interested in that. I, I'll open that. Um, but those bigger companies have something that you don't have, and that's brand recognition. Yeah, that's right. They already have a loyal followers, right? Yeah. Uh, whether that's over in, over the brand that they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars cultivating over the last two decades. Mm. Uh, for something that doesn't have brand recognition, you know, it either needs to go viral or it needs to be appealing in another way that's going to get somebody to buy into that brand, which is why you see craft beers talking about the fact that it's craft and then there was artisanal stuff and then even the bigger brands are like, well, the stuff that we bake in our factories are artisanal. We put the words on the box. Uh, even they try to come in on that. Um, you know, big beverage doesn't invent beverage anymore. They let the small guys fight out the beverage wars. And then when one gains a following, they just swoop in and buy it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? So don't look at what's in your inbox. The, the question I would pose to you at the very beginning is the first thing you did wrong is you ask yourself instead of asking the people that would hire you. First and foremost, what you think really doesn't matter. It's about your clients and you have to understand what is going to drive them to be a motivator. And and so asking them is the most direct way to do that. Mm. I want to throw out a nugget that I haven't done that I've thought about doing, but I'm going to give it away because I'm not going to do it. If you are, let's say, trying to understand why X person is going to hire you, instead of reaching out to them directly, I thought about making a website that was all about asking that question, which would almost be like this um, parody or riff on, you know, like, why would they, you know, why would they hire that? So it's almost this comedic site uh, to get information, but it wouldn't say anything about me being a voice actor. It wouldn't identify me at all and see if I could get people to, uh, you know, answer that question kind of almost like a blind poll, but I need to make it sexier than a poll. So it needs to be funny. It needs to be like the onion is for news, so to speak, but but address that particular market. But you could have a, a website out there to allow people to bitch about voice talent, for example. Um, and if you make a website that allowed <laughs> them to bitch about voice talent, then like that in and of itself could feed into understanding the problems. Now, it, it may or may not work. It probably would just turn into a gigantic fest of complaining. Mm. Um, but, you know, one never knows. Uh, Robert, you may be able to get a few nuggets from that. Robert, I can know. hear you typing away in the background there. Just go and see if don't <laughs> don't process my voice tracks.com is available. 
<laughs> yes. All right, here we go. Ready? <laughs> We're taking that one. I agree. I uh, totally agree. <laughs> unless, unless I'm, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's such a minefield, though, isn't it? I mean, social media is hard enough without putting the personal aspect of what we do for a living in the mix as well. Is is the thing? I that think I people struggle. just take it too seriously. I think they're so, like, just wound up so tight. It's like, uh, you know, take some Lexapro, relax, hire a kid, and let it flow. If you've got to work at Starbucks for a bit until you find some traction, then you got to work at Starbucks. But I, people are so uptight in that, like, if I don't nail this session, they're never going to hire me again. Or what? Like, like, when you finally start getting bigger, you realize a few things. One, that even the greatest people that have the biggest careers still suffer from imposter syndrome. They still have bad days. They still get in their own head and they still wonder the same questions mm. that, you're, that you may be wondering. They're still insecure and know that, that is, that's okay, number one. Number two, um, they, are, they suffer a different pressure of they've gotten big and now they're afraid they're not going to be able to hold on to, or to sustain that. So they have this fear that somehow they're going to fall off the cliff that you're trying to climb. So it's a different perspective, but they still have concerns. But after a while, you realize I've messed up so much and these people still hire me that everything out there on a customer service level is such garbage that if you even deliver 50% of what you're capable for, you're going to shine because there's just so much bad stuff out there. Mm. Mm. Studios that don't sound good, people that don't know how to use their gear. Um, you know, we've been connected well over an hour. We had one drop on my end. I know how to run my stuff. Source Connect is solid. I remember when the certification test for Source Connect uh, was literally me and Rebecca, and she made me play 35 minutes of a CD down the line to get certified. What's your certification requirements now, Robert? Just no, Robert. Just, ha- yeah. just make <laughs> we it don't friend. do it anymore. Just the box, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't do it anymore. Well, no, we we just don't have the the bandwidth. Um, you know, we can't yeah. do it right, and uh, and and so there's too much other need uh, in in support sure, and making sure. sure that people are like like we just got so busy we can't. Uh, we're gonna bring it back, but right now, yeah, yeah, it's like we get asked all the time like for certification. We're like, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to certification, is there extra revenue model for you? You can add verified, which is a. Uh, a level above and beyond a certification that doesn't get maybe, you know, maybe that's not even bought and paid for. Maybe that's only given to users that truly understand their gears through some other metric that you quantify. Um, or maybe it is a revenue model. But, you know, blue check marks go yeah. a lot better than Red Seas. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting thing. The Red well, Sea, it is a Red Sea. It seems like it'd be like, yeah. yeah. Everything else out there is some kind of little badge. It's blue and there's a check. Not yeah. that you want to be everybody else. True. Well, I think we've covered pretty well everything. Don't I do, you, Robert. I think that's great. I think that was, uh, that was amazing. I was, I was like just getting schooled. Actually, I couldn't even think of anything. To I was like, wow, that's wow, that's great. <laughs> really good. Well, insight. the last thing I think oh you God. can also also do. I don't know if you, you if you want to edit it in or not, but uh, you can fake your verification badge. You know, there's stuff that you can put in there. Get Photoshop. Get an image. Make it a um, make it a character. You can you can turn the image into a. Uh, to a keyboard character, into text, literally. It, it's an emoji. That's what an emoji is. So you can make an emoji that's like text, and you can add verifications right next to your name on every social platform you want. Mm, there you go. <laughs> I, well, I just have certifiable on mine. 
<laughs> Insanely certifiable. Is that right? Are you missing the first word? That tip is only available to our Patreon That's right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Maybe don't share that because that'll that'll dilute me making myself feel special because that's my actual idea I want to do next. I'm going to verify myself exactly. in a fake manner across every platform. <laughs> that's a brilliant idea. Because I'm not I good enough it. to get it. Well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite, recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect, edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say g'day, drop us a note at our website,